And boom, we're back for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winner, and I'm here as always with the affable Dr. Bear Paul Lando <laughs> coming to you live and direct from the great state of Jefferson. Good to be back in my office this week uh, here on the beautiful Smith River where uh, we got some snow, slush, ice, sleet, and hail this week uh, and some thunder. It's been a wild one, power outages and um, trucks. We heard this morning Bear's uh, had a truck stuck in his driveway delivering propane, uh, stuck in the snow. It's been uh, a, a crazy week, but, uh, you know, it's a, it brings fun every day. We never know what to expect here uh, in the great lower Pacific Northwest. <laughs> um, we have some of our favorite, favorite guests on today, David Parker and Don Lester, and we're going to get into it um, today, deep into the nature of reality and consciousness. Um, I do have an exciting announcement to make, Bear. Uh, we finally launched this morning the early bird tickets to the members of Music and Sky. Uh, you, you're, you see I'm wearing uh, last year's shirt, uh, musicandsky.com. For all the private members, you can now jump in, get your early bird tickets, get your accommodations. Dr. Bear Paul Lando will be our keynote speaker this year. Uh, Alpha Vedic will be there um, in full effect. Uh, Bryden Lando will be there. I'm excited about my good buddy finally making it out there. Uh, and we have some really exciting music announcements coming soon. Um, fingers crossed, some pretty big names in the sovereignty music space which is very exciting. Uh, but yeah, go to musicandsky.com and check that out now. That is live. Uh, anything else from your neck of the woods, Bear, before we bring our special guests in? No, I was just doing a hectic uh, technological uh, get-together here after trying to tow out a, a huge propane truck off of our um, uh, almost 90-degree four-wheel drive uh, driveway. So that was a lot of fun but he was able to fill up our diesel tank. Uh, so that's life off grid here. So uh, no, I'm really, really excited about uh, today's talk. And and whenever we have David and Dawn, you know, it's uh, uh, just like talking to old friends here. So it's good to catch up always. And they've got a lot of new good stuff to share with us. So let's just get into that. Fantastic. Yeah. Return guests and value members of the Alpha Vedic community, Don Lester and David Parker are back for this episode and we couldn't be more thrilled their recent masterpiece, What Really Makes You Ill, was a paradigm shifter and in perfect timing to mitigate the medical fear mythology of recent years. Don and David's other co-authorship, The Nature of Reality, takes you beyond the illness contagion narrative to dissect the most colossal illusion of all. Amidst the endless speculation of the philosophers, empiricists, and metaphysicians throughout the ages, they've concluded that, quote, it's stranger than you can ever imagine. Life doesn't need to be hard. And it doesn't need to be complicated either, but to experience life in this way requires an understanding of how our everyday reality works. The nature of reality shows that our personal experiences are also under our own control and that consciousness is a vital element in understanding the true nature of reality that will completely change your view of who you think you are and what life really is. Uh, you can go to thenatureofreality.com to find more information about this. Uh, and I will make sure the book, well, I was trying to add the book to our book list on Amazon, but it's only available in the UK. So from what I could find, but maybe I'm wrong there, but um, definitely go grab that book. And uh, this is one of our favorite topics to talk about, Bear. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I feel like uh, we've been kind of through the wars with you two <laughs> these last couple of years, uh, just with all the nonsense going on. 
And, uh, you, you know, your original book there, What Really Makes You Ill, was uh, just such a, a fundamental tool for so many people to learn the truth. So uh, the service that, that you provided through that book is just so invaluable. Uh, you know, I use it myself as a reference book. And anybody that hasn't read that one is great. Uh, you know, it's just such a, a great reference book. Uh, I'd really recommend getting it. Um, well, boy, the, you know, there's so much to talk about today. I've always uh, looked at biotrain medicine, which was my specialty, as uh, a continuum. And because of the events of the last couple of years, we necessarily had to address some bugs on the ground. And I'm going to talk a lot in code today. We're still trying to use YouTube here. And uh, uh, the four of us here together are uh, looking for trouble as far as YouTube is concerned. So they'll have their eye out. So we'll uh, talk in uh, kind of nonsensical code here. We'll, uh, if we have to talk about medical procedures, I like to call them roll up your sleevers and so forth. So, you know, just like back way back in the old days, we started uh, really trying to educate people on some fundamentals, not just in medicine, but across the board, uh, because we knew if people couldn't wrap their minds around the banking cartels, uh, you know, the uh, nationalized banking system that we have in this system and, and you know, same people that control things in Great Britain there where you guys are. Um, you know, it's really difficult for people to move on into the greater realms of reality. And so last year was pretty similar in that we had to uh, talk a lot about microbes because that was the charade that was being used in order to distract us from who we really are and what was really going on. And also, of course, that narrative is what they use to uh, institute that next level. So uh, now we're kind of sort of on the other side of that, even not, though not everybody's on board. And we can really get to the business of the larger continuum that we call the terrain, which is an energy matter continuum. And it's uh, you know critical to understand how microbes really work in our body, not as pathogens, but our little helpers, our ecobionts, and, and the fact that uh, nature does not create pathogens. It does not create um, this entity we call disease. You know, we inhabit a vehicle. It's the highest technology within this plane that is um, just um, self-correcting and self-maintaining. And it's also in resonance with our ecosystem outside of us. So when we're attuned, not only can we pick up those signals uh, all around us that are coming from above our heads and in the larger ecosystem, but then we are in this uh, nice homeostatic uh, place, you know, it's a nice state of balance all around. And that really requires uh, raising our heads uh, above the, the microscope, which I spent a lot of time looking at in my career and saying, okay, what's the nature of our reality? What's really precipitating our bodies in the first place? And all the uh, four kingdoms of nature of which, you know, we're, uh, you know, at the highest pinnacle, where do all these organisms come in, uh, you know, as far as how they service mankind? how they work, and but more important, how can we get beyond the mythology so we can tap into our true uh, potential? So I believe that's the subject matter of your latest book. And, uh, you know, it's our favorite topic here. So maybe uh, for our folks that haven't heard you before, I think most people are very familiar with you, uh, tell us a little bit, tiny bit about your background, and then you can segue that into your new book, because that's uh, 
that's going to be at least about six parts in a podcast or if you want to go through that but let's uh, see how much we can get into today okay <clears throat> well for those that don't know us um <clears throat> uh, i mean my background is electrical engineering which actually uh, is quite useful with some of the things that we talk about but um in actual fact the book our book the nature of reality was actually our first book but because we were sort of busy writing the uh what really makes you ill book which came out fortuitously at christmas 2019 <laughs> just before the world went crazy um and we all know about what's happened over the last three years without going into details on that uh so the book did very, very did and is doing very well all around the world so we're very pleased about that and it's now been translated into French Dutch and Japanese so as well as English of course so we're glad that that message is getting out but over the last three years um more people have sort of because of the craziness that the world has got into and people have more people have been asking themselves and us well how do we get out of this how are we going to make this change? So our first book, The Nature of Reality, has now become much more of interest to people. And we're being asked more and more to actually talk about it. Because once you start to understand how reality actually works, then you can start to see how to change it. And also and to how to come out of fear, because that's been one of the main um, factors of the last three years, keeping people in fear and believe and, you know, the standard thing of follow the science and believing in these, you know, external experts. And, you know, we've got to defer our, uh, you know, thoughts and ideas and beliefs over to them and, you know, not to take responsibility for ourselves. So that's where the the complete change comes when you understand you know who and what you are that you realize that yeah you, you're in charge you can take control so that's um i mean starting with your health obviously you when you know you can take control of your health and you think well what else can i take control over and that's why it's it's such a good sort of uh it, they're so well sort of interconnected you know to start with the health and then realize there's so much more involved so i think i think the thing we can we can dive straight in what one of the things that dawn and i have wanted to do and did do we hope with the nature of reality in the same way when we looked at the health system we wanted to we realized that health was a being healthy and staying healthy was actually a really simple thing and was not only completely wrong with whatever the official medical system was doing but there was a lot of people practitioners and others that were overcomplicating how to be healthy and stay healthy so that's one of the reasons we wrote the book what really makes you ill because as i say health is a simple thing but i won't go into all of that because i'm sure many of your listeners already know so we wanted to do the same with the nature of reality and i mean that had been a pet thing of mine sort of ever since i was a teenager so i've sort of invested probably the last 60 years <laughs> looking at it I mean, I'm I'm 73 now, so um, you know, a good few years spent looking at this and going all around, inside out, upside down, and uh, Dawn and I sort of got together on it about 20 years ago, and uh, so we we've got a 
fair bit of <laughs> fair bit of reading between us on the subject. But again, we were coming across lots of different writers, philosophers, scientists, physicists, and mystics who had all written certain stuff about it. But and you know, I went through a lot of it certainly in my early days. Uh, but was finding much of it was very convoluted, very complex, very tedious to read, and not of much practical help, to, help, to be honest. So we tried to uh, find a way of how we could write about it in a much more simple way, but a much more practical way. And that's really what the book is. And strangely, although the nature of reality would seem to be an extremely complex subject, you might think, our nature of reality book is the, probably the smallest book we've written. <laughs> um, so it sort of gets to the point. So I'll, I'll dive right in and sort of give a few uh, pointers as to where we went with it. So first of all, we wanted to know, well, what are we? What are we as human beings? And the first thing uh, people realize that we are not the body. That is not who we are. Okay, so once people bear that in mind, then we can start to it starts to get much more interesting. So if we're not the body, what are we? Well, again, studying a lot of uh, quantum physicists and, I, and I'll, I'm going to do this in uh, short form. Otherwise, we'll be here for a week. OK, so speaking to a, uh, and reading uh, some of what we found to be our favorite physicists, we realized that at the cutting edge of quantum physics, they were quite happy to deal with concepts like, um, and this is a quote from a physicist, that they can't actually prove that there's an out there, out there. Okay, now that's quite a strange thing for anyone to say, but for quantum physicists to say they can't actually prove there's an out there, out there starts to make you think. And quantum physicists, again, are quite happy with what they call time's arrow and tell us that that actually doesn't exist either, that past, present and future actually exist simultaneously. OK, so these are all quite mind bending things, which uh, but once you start to realize that these are the this is now getting to the real depths of uh, the nature of reality, um, you start to see that you've got a lot more freedom. And another quantum physicist we came across, uh, Professor Amit Goswami, and you can probably tell from his name that um, he's of uh, Indian origin, but educated in the States. Um, I think he's still around. I think he's about 89, but he's, he's still around. But um, one of a couple of the things that he said really struck home, where he said that no one will really understand the nature of reality until they realize that matter, energy and consciousness are the same thing. Now, if we just think about that, matter, energy and consciousness are the same thing. Now, this starts to give, give us some real clues as to what we're doing. And he also said that everything arises out of consciousness, that consciousness is the ground of all being. OK, so this is quite startling stuff to come from quantum physicists. And there's he's not the only one. There's a number of them. So we worked with this um, to see where it takes us. And of course, it takes us to the very, very core of things so that we start to realize that consciousness is a tool that we use to create reality. Now, most of the time, of course, 
we're creating our, and I'm talking about our personal reality, we're creating our personal reality without realizing it because we think that the world is solid and separate to us, but in actual fact, it's not. And so we often use the analogy, the dream analogy, because we know it's difficult for people to get their heads around this. When you tell them that the world is not solid and separate to them, they just think you're crazy. So we ask people to think, well, what do you do when you're dreaming? What do you do when you're in the depths of a dream? Well, you don't realize you're dreaming, of course, do you? While you're in the depths of a dream, what you're doing is you're creating a reality which appears to be solid and separate to you, and you interact with it as if it's solid and separate to you. So that starts to give us some real clues as to it's not such a far-fetched thing to think, well, what if what we call our everyday reality was also a state of consciousness, which while we're fully immersed in it, we don't know it, okay? And we're creating a personal reality based on our fears, our hopes, what we believe is possible, what we believe is not possible, and we're creating a personal reality based on that in the same way as we create a reality in our dreams. And we project it and interact with it as if it's solid and separate to us, which in fact it's not, and fits in with not only what quantum physicists say, that there is no out there out there, but it fits in what the uh, mystics, ancient mystics and modern day mystics of the East say, that this, they often say that this is, well, they call it Maya, um, a world of illusion. But we don't really like to call it a world of illusion because while you're in it, it's very real in the same way as when you're in a dream. So it's very real. It's very important. It's very meaningful. But it's, it's, it's just a constructed reality. So if, we, if this is how it is, and if we are constructing our reality using consciousness as our tool because it's not what we are we're not consciousness it's a tool we use and we often say in the same way that a potter will use clay to make his pots and jugs and plates and whatever he molds it to be whatever he wants it to be well we do the same with consciousness we mold it to be what we want it to be but we don't realize we're doing it okay for the most part but once we do realize and then we take control of it in the same way as you can in a dream, which people call lucid dreaming, and then you can start to manipulate the dream while still in that state of consciousness. Well, we can do the same with our everyday waking state of consciousness, because once you realize or people realize it is just a state of consciousness, then it starts to make much more sense. And once they realize that, and they can do experiments as to see how they can start to manipulate their reality so that they stop feeling that they're victims of an exterior world, that they, there is no, <laughs> the exterior world is the illusion, if you like. Uh, so they can start to have much more fun with it. And then they can start to, if, if the everyday experiences that they're enduring is something not to their liking, once they know they can change that, then it really starts to get interesting. Now, I think Bear, you're familiar with the Seth material. I think I've heard you mention the Seth material, <laughs> uh, particularly the book Seth Speaks. Okay. Well, many, yeah, many was, years uh, ago. Those go back uh, into the old days there. Yeah, those were a lot of fun. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they, for me, that was um, the where I took the first sort of deep dive and went through all of those books. And there are some sort of similarities with the um, so the subject headings of each of the um, chapters, although we call them modules in the book, they, they're kind of um, similar to the concepts in those in those books, because, you know, there's one about dreams and there's one about health um, and that kind of thing. So we, we sort of follow that because, you know, obviously it's it's an amazing um, it's amazing body of work. Um, but mm -hmm. but again, you know, they're nine huge books or 10 huge books you know um so there's a lot to get through and we we wanted to just condense it as well, you know in the way that david's been saying but when we came across the seth material many years ago um it's i mean let's it's by jane roberts and her husband robert butts i know he was the sort of compiled it all from so-called channeled information okay from uh, as Jane Roberts thought, um, a disembodied uh, ascended master that was giving her this information, for want of a better word. Now, we may all have uh, different views about, and I certainly do, about channeled information. I think it's a bit of a misnomer. I think many times, and I think Jane Roberts was one of them, um, she's really accessing and we'll talk about this a little bit more accessing higher levels of our own consciousness and higher levels of the collective consciousness but sometimes people and jen roberts were certainly one of these they don't understand or believe that they are that powerful that they have access to so much information so they feel that it has to come through someone else okay or albeit mm -hmm. a, a disembodied yeah, entity well, but that's okay well so long said, as the information yeah is good and solid and sound and uh, works and um so a lot of good information came through um jane roberts and was written down excellently by her husband robert butts uh, neither of them of course are with us now you, you know um sorry to i don't mean to interrupt but one just uh, one quick comment about sure. seth um sure. you know back when i was reading those it was what in the 70s or something and i was really into a lot of athletic training and also into medical training, but it was more nuts and bolts biochemistry. And as far as, uh, you know, my athletic training diet was a huge thing because it was all about maintaining muscular weight and all these kinds of things. So you're very body conscious. You're very much set in ideas of what kind of foods do this sort of thing. And I was very obsessive about it. We'll just say that. And then I read this one little part in, uh, in Seth Speaks, where Jane asked uh, what a certain food would do to the body. And Seth simply said, it'll do whatever you think it'll do. And uh, yeah. that really kind of set me into a little whirlwind way back when I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, protein that builds muscles and this it provides energy and so forth. Uh, now I know exactly what you're saying. And we, we've talked about recently with, uh, if you understand, transmutation and the fact that you know our consciousness through our bodies transmutes whatever experience or matter that we need at the time uh you know whatever food we eat the body will transmute it internally if it needs something else from that organic source so uh yeah uh took a few years to kind of wrap my mind around it but i go oh, i get what they're talking about and it fits in exactly of course 
which you're uh, saying is, uh, you know, matter does not determine a darn thing about our experience uh, yeah. since we actually created the first place. But sorry, uh, go no, ahead. I don't want to. Well, I was going to say also um, fairly early on um, when we started looking into health, we came across the biology of belief by Bruce Lipton as well. So again, it shows, oh, yeah. yeah, that you you know, I mean, that for me was kind of all well, your genes aren't in control of biology. I mean, that was you know a, a huge thing because obviously. Um, you know, these other bugs and things weren't relevant either. Um, to, but to know that, you know, because so much is, you know, genetic. So again, it's it's learning that these these sort of other things aren't in control. And that gives us that returns the control back to us. And again, to do with beliefs. But I mean, we'll, we'll probably come on to that as well. But that that again was really key um, because like you were saying, you know, it's not what we're told that affects our body and so there's there's something else you know and and it's certainly you know the mind the psychology the beliefs and ideas and when you fear gets in the way it kind of messes that up as well so because there was another another interesting thing just on the food thing that uh, was in the in the seth books which was said about it's not so much what you eat as what you think about what you eat and (laughs) of course that that's all part and parcel of the same thing and it was concepts like that that really we found particularly interesting and uh, led us to uh, a whole new way of looking at things many, but, many years ago. But there was, there was one thing which um, I, I think you're about to say that um, in terms of, you know, creating our own reality, we um, created an experience where we went across to uh, to the States and we hadn't organised it in advance and we actually met Robert Butt. We went to the house and we met oh. and we had a cup of tea with him. It was just, just, oh, um, brilliant. yeah, that, that was, that was an amazing trip just to kind of, okay, well, let's just do this and see what we can do. We, and, and it worked. We did it Fantastic. as an experiment. I mean, it was quite a, could have been quite an expensive waste of time really to, <laughs> to just thought, well, we'll, we'll de- be determined we're going to meet him. Uh, I mean, we had no idea where he was. We got an address. We didn't know whether he was going to be in, whether he'd want to see us or anything, and flew across the States, hired a car, drove to his house and knocked on the door, and he came to the door. And so we had a great conversation with him, and uh, we were quite knocked out. One is because he was a great guy, uh, very interesting to talk to, and two is that uh, we were determined that we could create that experience, and we did. So, uh, I mean, if you'd have worried about it, there were so many things that could have gone wrong, <laughs> even if he'd gone out shopping or something. But uh, anyway, that's just a, a little story that uh, is always That's a great story. In, yeah. intuition, intuition is the original GPS. Oh, and, and that's, that's also interesting because we didn't have, I mean, this was, this was 2003, this was a long time ago, and uh, we didn't have sat-nav or whatever in the hire car. And... Um, if you ask me how I managed to drive back uh, from there to where we were staying, I was like, I, I don't know, but I just, yeah, intu- it, whatever it was, something was flowing in intuition and we just got there and I got all the right turnings. I mean, I'd never been to the States before and, you know, got this high car and I, I just drove. And it. Isn't, isn't it amazing, those of us that lived before um, internet and navigation and cell phones and everything, uh, we're still alive and doing fine. In fact, uh, <laughs> I myself have some pretty fond memories of the way it used to be. Uh, you know, um, you know, I'm not a Luddite. I, I, I enjoy technology, but at the same time, uh, it kind of makes you dumber, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. 
Yeah. It reminds me of that uh, episode of The Office where Michael gets so obsessed with his GPS, he follows it right into a lake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we've all had similar experience, not quite as uh, extreme as that, but uh, you can put too much reliance on them and this doesn't take you where you're expecting. Sometimes it goes awry. Okay. So yeah, that happened recently. So yeah, yeah, they can be useful. It, it's when you're on your own, they can be useful, you know, because you can't read a map and drive at the same time. But so, uh, so really, if we dig anyway, a little yeah, a little deeper into <laughs> a li- dig a, a little deeper into what we are, I said earlier in this that we we are not the body. The body is something we manifest. It's something we use to uh, gain experience. To experience, okay. So we have to think about ourselves as being um, an essence. We are, as Clements of Alexandra, Alexandria used to teach his pupils, that he used to tell them to practice being God. Okay. Now, seeing that he was a Christian mystic, um, it's wonder if they didn't burn him at at the stake. I mean, they didn't like what he was saying, but uh, he was pretty much on the money there because that is what we are. That is our true essence. We are God. We are whatever people think of. We are all that is. We are that source of everything. Okay. Now, well, you you mentioned the three things, you know, energy, matter, consciousness. I think you termed it, and and all the the hermeticism, uh, you know, different religions. You know, it always goes back to that trinity. Uh, but then uh, in the hermetic sciences, we always go back to the, the premise that there is only one thing. Yeah. So that one thing, of course, I think is what you're alluding to here. So please <laughs> go on. So how can we yeah. be, if there's only one thing, how can we be anything but that? So uh, please continue. Exactly. And of course, this is a, the mind bender for people to realize that we are the one manifested as the many. Okay. Now the one of which we all are and is timeless immortal all that is and all that ever has been and all that ever will be okay what many people many religions refer to as god okay but that's a bit of a loaded word so people get all um a bit sniffy about it sometimes and okay but imagine that's where we are imagine it's this ocean of consciousness okay just to so we can get some sort of mental concept so imagine it's an ocean of consciousness and while we individualize ourselves as molecules in that ocean okay so we can be a molecule in the ocean but the ocean at the same time (laughs) i know that can sound a bit mind-boggling but that's that's the truth of it and so people might ask well what is this all that is what is this source of all being and why does why why is there this sort of reality well again we try to get our heads around it by explaining well imagine this all that is this source of all things something that we can't perceive from with our sort of limited ego consciousness we can't perceive it so this all that is cannot be perceived but it does perceive and it wants to i'll have to call it it for a better word to explore itself in its entirety but being infinite it can never do that of course 
And so that's why eternity is just that. It's forever. It never stops. But because it wants to explore itself, and but already knows everything, okay, uh, people would say, well, how does that work? Well, so we try and explain that by, well, try and imagine that you'd never been swimming before. Okay, you'd never experienced it. You'd never been in the water. You'd never swum. But you wanted to know about swimming. So you get lots of books on swimming. You watch videos and you learn all about different strokes. But until you actually get in the water and swim, you will not have the experience of swimming. You will not have the complete experience. Okay. Um, and that's really what all that is, is doing. And that's why there's all the, all the different realities, all the different people where it manifests itself. We manifest as individuals through many lives. And of course, we'll get, we may get onto that because we've already said time doesn't exist. So then we're going to question what reincarnation is. Well, it's all of those lives exist in parallel. Okay, so we we are living, we are manifested in a number of lives, each of us, um, at the same time. And that, of course, explains a lot of things where people start to have affinities with what they think of our past lives. And where some people get locked up if they think they're Napoleon or uh, the Duke of Wellington or something like that. Well, in a particular life, they may well be. But of course, in everyday life, the medical establishment wouldn't understand that. And so they get locked up and sedated. The other thing is that children are so much more open to, uh, well, they haven't been in, well, if they're young enough, they haven't been indoctrinated. And so they're more in tune with um, the, who and what they are. So they're more connected to, into intuition. And that's why sometimes you get children who, who are connected to other lives and they think they are sort of reincarnations, but that's, it's, um, they're so much more connected into the kind of expanded consciousness and somehow they've, they've focused into a particular place and area. And I mean, you know, they can go to the family and, and recognize the people and, you know, you think, um, so it's, it's like they're connecting to a past life, but it's because they're so tuned in, you know, and they see, um they see things you know and again people who you know see ghosts or see sort of something else happening and it's where the um the sort of reality that they're experiencing is not quite as solid for them as it is it as it kind of you know is all you know maybe most of the time and so they're kind of seeing into other areas of consciousness that 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 are um existing in parallel and but in a what appears to be a different time frame it's I, it's, it's i think it's very wise strange. i think it's very wise for us to pay attention to our children mm -hmm. when they're young particularly before seven uh particularly when they're around three four five i i know from my own personal experience, there are some things I can remember from when I was three, which didn't make sense to me at the time, but in later years have. But I know from my own children, when they were very young, we used to, I used to play games with them with telepathy. My, what's now my eldest daughter, but she was about six at the time. And we used to, uh, I used to play a game where I'd say, well, I'm going to think of an image and you've got to see if you can tell me what it is. 
And I always used to choose something that wasn't in the room. So I couldn't, I couldn't inadvertently look at it and she could get it nine times out of 10. She'd guess what I was thinking, the, the image I'd got in my head. So that, you know, that convinced me that telepathy works, you know, so this is another one of these strange phenomena that uh, science has taken a long time to recognize, but I think they pretty much do now. Um, but the same daughter of mine, while she was very young, she had an imaginary friend. Okay. Now to us, that was an imaginary friend. I didn't know what I know now, but she was obviously seeing something. She'd get really distraught if I didn't wait with the car door open for her imaginary friend to get in with her. I mean, she was really upset until she believed that <laughs> this imaginary friend had got in the car. Then I could shut the door and all was okay. And another thing she used to do, so I used to watch her quite carefully to see the things she did. And whenever she drew in a, as a seven-year-old pictures of people, you know, to colour them in, she would always draw a rainbow around the people, which we at the time thought was really cute, um, but because we didn't really understand what was going off. And in later years, I asked her, I said, um, why did you always draw a rainbow around people? because you never said anything and her answer was well i thought everyone saw that which of course <laughs> would have made perfect sense wouldn't it um you didn't see them now of course because you get it educated out of you by the time you've been to university all the rest of it of course you you sort of don't tell people those sorts of things and uh, slowly you, you often lose the ability to do it so it's really important to listen to children young children before that gets uh, knocked out of them or educated out of them or indoctrinated out of them unless you homeschool them in which case <laughs> you can continue to kind of foster those those abilities to, and allow them to you know develop them rather than lose them i mean that's the thing you know to to even call it something a you know an imaginary friend is kind of making out as if it doesn't exist but of course it very much exists for the child um and therefore it's you know i mean i know we, we call it but it's it's really interesting how young children are um so much more open and of course that's why certain factions like to um control children as as early as possible to try and stop that from being possible because then they'd realize who and what they are and they they wouldn't necessarily kind of follow what uh, authority says you know they're more likely to be um should we say unruly in the classroom and not necessarily uh, you know just keep asking questions so that has to be knocked out of them doesn't it but i think uh, <laughs> I, I think we're kind of we're moving away from that and back into uh, you know allowing children to develop how they should develop and uh, not not spoil and those and what we're talking about here is the natural state of man right the open bandwidth and we're dealing with a narrowed bandwidth due to mind and the way the mind is restricted in the mental plane versus what natural man, as the Russian mystic Anastasia talks about, uh, when you have the bandwidth fully open, then you are tapping into all this, you know, what I guess um, we call psi phenomena, telekinesis, um, clairvoyance, telepathy. Those are all natural abilities that man and woman have when the bandwidth is opened. And I think Rudolf Steiner, you know, the great uh, 20th, early 20th century mystic philosopher, inventor, et cetera, he understood this with the way he um, 
you know, recognize how children should develop by staying away from language out of the gates and focusing more on imagination. Because I think when we get into language and writing so quickly, um, that gets us into that specific um, type of intelligence and thinking that actually lowers that and restrains that bandwidth. You know, yeah, I mean, in a way, yes, because language um, is restricted by kind of time and space. And, you know, it, it's we don't have the language to be able to describe something that's beyond time and space, you know. And so, yes, I mean, concepts. right. Yes. I mean, it, it does. It is restrictive. I mean, it's linear um, how you write left to right and stuck yes. on the page and everything, you, you know. know Perhaps uh, another way to reframe this, though, is that we are the only beings on this plane that have the ability to limit or narrow our bandwidth and to create a, a, a matrix, uh, you know, if you want to call it that, that is completely artificial, which I think really attests to our true potential and power. And once you realize that, wow, we're the ones that are doing it, of course, you can not only undo it, but you can create whatever the heck you want. Yeah. And that and that's, and that's the point. That's the freedom bit. I mean, I'll, mm -hmm. it might be a good chance. I'll just read a, a little quote from a, one of the mystics we're talking about, probably one of the more recent ones, uh, because it, I believe this says it all. See what you think. I'll just read it. This is, um, he died a few years ago, Serene. Quite a few years ago. Serene Maharaj. Okay. But he's recognized as one of the greatest modern day mystics. I okay. am that. I am yeah, that. Yeah, excellent book. So he said, you have made this world and you can change it. The world of which you are the only source and ground is fully within your power to change. What is created can always be dissolved and recreated. All will happen as you want it, provided you really want it. You have created the world's sorrows out of your own desires and fears. You deal with them. All is due to your having forgotten your own being having given reality to the picture on the screen. You love its people and suffer for them and seek to save them. It is just not so. You must begin with yourself. There is no other way. I think it's a beautiful piece of writing. And I think it really says it all. It's all in there, you know. Um, I mean, we're told, well, it's, you know, uh, it starts with yourself and you, you know, the more you work with this you realize it does start with you but of course we're then told oh well, you mustn't be selfish you mustn't just think of yourself but it's not about um being selfish i mean um i mean we we coined the phrase sort of being self-considerate but you know you, you you can't sort out the world as it were out there unless you sort yourself out because what you experience is based on your beliefs and if you've got some limiting beliefs you're going to see that played out out there as it were I know it's like you know what I mean that's out there so you're going to have those experiences so you've got to clear the the limiting beliefs like like you said you know well we taught that you know we are limited and we can only do this and and that and our freedoms are restricted and all those kind of things which is where things are trying to move but we're not it's not going to happen, but it's we're trying to move to really restrict us. And we're saying, no, it's, it's actually the other way, as you say, sort of opening up. But you have to realise that those what you're experiencing does come from how you your own sort of li limited belief systems and thoughts and ideas. So when you start unlimiting those and 
removing the ones that you don't have to actually hang on to so you don't have to believe in you know realizing you don't have to believe in bugs doing anything to you because you go well that's that's complete freedom you now can look after yourself look after your own body take control so that's freeing and then that helps reduce other limiting beliefs and then your experiences will change according to that so it's not selfish because but but knowing how how the, how the interaction works once you start realizing where your experience how you framing your experiences i think and your interactions with other people and the other people thing is is really quite difficult in terms think, of how you I think, think well i think we may need to share our screen if that's okay and i think oh, just a just another a slide might help it uh, explain that but um, because you're familiar with the Seth material, I think it was in um, one of the Jane Roberts books, uh, The Nature of Personal Reality. And one of the things that um, was said in there, that um, the, uh, you know, that we each create our own personal reality. And the point of power is the present moment. Now, there's a lot in that. I mean, it actually tells you everything. So much is in that little phrase that we each create our own personal reality and the point of power is the present moment. And once you realize that, and once you realize how much power you have, and once you realize that the world, which appears to be solid and separate to you, is not. It's a reflection, as Dawn has said, of your fears. And as uh, Serena Azagadatta said, it's a reflection of your hopes, fears, what you believe is possible and not possible. Once, once you realize that, you can start to change your personal reality. Yeah, and, and that. Yeah. And that. Well, one other uh, key element that I, I really like in that quotation is it brings up the element of desire. And, yes. um, you know, we can create thought bubbles that are electrical events that will eventually manifest, but they won't manifest unless we have an intense desire to do so. So a lot of our ills and things that we think we don't want on another level we actually do want them we do desire them and people would say well that's crazy why would i want to be sick or something well on some level the alternative might be a little bit scarier you know so once you get to the point of being sick and tired and limited you know that's when we start desiring something else i think that's kind of where humanity is uh, starting to hit that critical mass point but uh, go ahead with what you're going to share there Okay. Uh, all I could say as well that, um, like you, you were saying, it's it's also where you put your thoughts. And if you're putting your thoughts into something you don't want, um, you know, you you can manifest that. You know, could they say, be careful what you wish for, but also be careful what you try to avoid. At the same time, it's not <laughs> saying that if something happens, that it's a bad thing. It's a question of how you approach it, how you understand it, how you deal with it, what you uh, what you learn from it. And it's also saying... It's not saying that this isn't real because it is real. It's as real as every other experience. And it this it functions in a certain way. You know, I mean, you know, we're using this technology to communicate with you, um, which is brilliant um, because without this technology, we wouldn't be able to have this conversation. Um, well, David, as an electrical again. David, as an electrical engineer, you understand the idea that resistance is persistence. So if you try to resist something, it'll just get stronger and stronger. So there is this idea of being in the flow, 
right? And yeah. being the master in the present, but understanding that, um, yeah, it's uh, it is a fine art to this. That's why um, the great masters, uh, the teachers, uh, understood ideas about meditation and and going within, and how um, this this idea of acceptance uh, is yeah. super important. Um, you guys can yeah. share your screen now. You like to okay we'll, we'll we don't do this very often so uh just bear with us while we uh, sort it out um, yeah no worries and and bear and i are huge fans of the whole concept of i am as the uh essential to all consciousness um and i think what we're all agree here is that um consciousness is fundamental right there's this sort of notion of transcendental it, idealism but, it is the ground of all being. Yeah, it yeah. is the ground of all being. Okay, now, um, this look, may look a bit clumsy, but it'll do, I think, for uh, an explanation. You can see that we've written up there a godlike position. Okay, now, as you can see, we've gone to immense expense to produce this slide of a piece of uh, <laughs> tablecloth with squares on it. So we get... <laughs> so we no sometimes call it... <laughs> We, we you guys are rivaling it, Disney right now. Yeah, absolutely. So we sometimes call it the fabric of time and space for obviously reasons. There. So what we, <laughs> there what, was the time we started calling it the Seth material. Yes, the <laughs> yes. Um, so what we're looking at here, just to, to just to try and get a concept. Imagine we are in our godlike position, and each of those squares. Imagine though that it extends infinitely in all directions. Okay. Um, so we can see everything. We can see every event possible. And bearing in mind that time doesn't exist, quantum physics accept that. So we're seeing past, present and future simultaneously. Okay, so that's really our godlike position. So let's, if we can, I don't know if I can move to the, um, the next one. If we can, yeah, okay. Now let me explain what we've got here. Again, great yeah. experience. A no great, expense bed. No yeah. expense bed with these washers, you know, um, <laughs> but they'll serve the purpose. If we look at, uh, I hope you can see what I'm, you can see my cursor moving around this one. Okay, mm -hmm. imagine this ring here, which is encircling one square, okay? Imagine that's that's our ego consciousness, okay? So that encapsulates our five senses. It, it, it encapsulates what, we see as our everyday reality and as you can see it's covering one square so it's seeing one event imagine it we're looking at one event and each successive square if we were going to go this way because we're going to assume that going that way is into the future from a ego point of view and this way is going into what we think of as our past and we'll come back to that so this is our limiting view of reality limited by our beliefs our hopes our fears what we believe is true and not true and we can only see one square at a time now normally as we move from one square to the next we've created time because we only see one square at a time so that's how time is created okay it's, it's purely a mental construct it's not real thinking about what it was like in our godlike position none of those ring restrictions existed so that's the so that's the ego consciousness just seeing everyday reality one event at a time now this outer ring 
is representing our expanded consciousness. And this ring can be as big as it needs to be, depending on our limiting our limitations, depending on what we do. I mean, we could expand it to the whole, <laughs> the whole of reality, the whole of everything. So, but this is, we'll call this our personal, our personal expanded consciousness. And as we can see, it sees a bigger amount of reality so it has it has access to more information but to get that information through to our everyday area of consciousness it has to pass the ring of beliefs and disbeliefs okay it's a, what we believe is true and not true what we believe is possible and not possible and sometimes it can't do it you know it's there it tries to get the information through little bits get through often in states of dreaming um, or states of meditation when this barrier becomes lighter and thinner and so information from our greater awareness can get through okay but so, we can um learn by um sort of understanding how reality works we can learn to actually reduce that um barrier and yes. minimize it um so it's not that it's fixed it's just you know representation but obviously we can know, change as, our beliefs as we learn that can get thinner and that's how we can see and perceive and and um intuitively tuning to other areas of consciousness and um uh, be able to have all those abilities as, as mike was talking about before you know the sort of um with the, all the psych experiences so if we look at this one um expanded awareness now what this is representing is for sake of just for sake of discussion really uh two two people okay and the same sort of thing each of the little rings represents the ego consciousness and the outer ring represents expanded awareness now as you can see in this just this little example the ring on the left here or shall we let's talk about the ring on the right here is thicker you know so it has more dense and probably much more ingrained uh beliefs about what is possible and what is not possible than the one on the left here which has got more relaxed and not as heavier uh restrictive beliefs but to communicate um between these two um the outer ring which can in both cases has a greater awareness but the outer ring on this one will have more trouble getting information through to the inner consciousness the ego consciousness because of its uh, more dense belief system and the same goes for when one person is trying to communicate with another the outer rings the greater awareness can eat more easily communicate with one another but for the outer ring of this one to communicate with the inner ring of this one it first again has to not only penetrate this state of awareness but it also has to penetrate the belief system at ego level now this is why of course in practical terms we find that some people we just can't connect with some people just can't accept what we're trying to tell them or even want to know what we're trying to tell them so the only reason we show this is i think it's uh, <laughs> although it may be crude it uh, shows a, a bit of a way of how we can understand what it is and of course there's everyone is everyone is in uh, included in this this is just showing two but our true state is uh where we come from is is this this is our true 
godlike position okay and we manifest ourselves into being like this so that we can then experience in our three dimensions so it's we limit what we are so that as i said earlier we can experience swimming <laughs> by getting in the water um another little example that's sometimes used is let's say you're a person you know a normal person you've got a good job nice house family but you want to experience poverty you know you see poor people about so you think well I, I want to experience poverty so you decide one day that you're going to put on some old shabby clothes and you're going to live in a cardboard box under a bridge for a couple of weeks to experience poverty okay now if you think about it you might be pretty uncomfortable for those two weeks but you're not really going to experience poverty because you know you know that you've got a nice house and a car and a job and a family to go back to well the real poor person doesn't have any of that so they are really experiencing poverty and that again gives us a clue as to why when we're focused in ego consciousness we forget who we are as serena Zagadatta said we forget who we are and we give reality to the picture on the screen i.e what he's talking about is what we think of as our everyday reality being real we think it is real we don't realize that it's a projection of us it's the projection of what we believe to be true okay so that's why um we have to forget our true essence whilst we're trying to gain experiences in this reality that we've created for those very purposes so that we can make choices when we present ourselves with problems dilemmas that we can make true choices because we can't see all the rest of it we don't at ego level we don't have access to all this other information so we make choices uh, based on our beliefs and sometimes you know um they're they're not very good choices you know and we're seeing some of that with the people that are seeming people that are running things in the world at the moment you know the Fauci's and bill gates of this world uh that seemingly make choices which they think are going to be beneficial to them at this level but you know in the longer term they're not but of course it gives each of us the opportunity to see how we're going to deal with those challenges that have been put before us and this whole scandemic if i can say that word that uh, has been plaguing the world um supposedly over this last three years is has given everyone everyone a great opportunity it is actually a blessing in disguise and some people may think uh, that's a very strange thing to say but it we know from the people that contact us it has woken more people up now not only to the failings of the medical system but they've started to look at all the other things whether it's the banking system the legal system all of these things so more and more people have woken up to this um what is really going off and have started to ask questions about our true nature and what we can do about it what are we truly what is this this reality you know is it much more than we're born we live and we die well yes it is and so then we're able to broach this with people 
and so that they can see how their whole schooling system has just been an indoctrination system right from when we're taught about in school about uh, Darwinism, uh, you know, which at one stage people, certainly if you were uh, of a scientific bent, would have taken that on board. I know I certainly did, because that's what I was taught. But once you start to look at something like Darwinism, you start to realise that there is actually no scientific scientific evidence to support it. If you start to look at the fossil record, it's just not there. You know, we're taught at school that somehow in the very, very distant past, we were uh, evolved from pond scum, basically, you know, and certain uh, aquatic lives came out of the seas and developed into mammals. And, you know, eventually one species became another so that uh, you got fish turning into mammals and then you've got all the diversity that we see until you get to mankind. But there is no fossil record to prove that at all. And that's a fact. But the reason we're taught that is because it diminishes what we are. We, are, we start to believe that we are, and we're told, that we're just some sort of biological accident, that uh, something strange happened in the primordial soup and life began, although that's never been proven in any way, shape or form. But that's what we're told. And then through evolution, we get to this, this glorious stage of mankind. Um, but the scientific evidence is not there. But that's all part of this plan, if you like, to diminish us, make us feel that we are just some sort of biological accident. The universe, reality, would it wouldn't matter whether we're here or not. Um, so that's all part of us being taught to be slaves, to feel insignificant. And now the time has come. And that's why this time now is a great opportunity for the whole of humanity to make that next step expansion in consciousness that we're seeing here to realize their true nature to realize their true power and to take it back in the same way as we've encouraged people to take back their power of health so that they're in control of their own health we're encouraging people to take back their power so that they know how to form their own reality to realize it is just a picture on the screen and it's based on what they believe what they fear and we can show people linking it back to the health side of things, when we remind them about the placebo effect and the nocebo effect, when we remind them of the power of the mind, only the mind, over their own bodies. And then it's not so difficult to make that little step to say, well, just look at the amazing things we can do with our own body. We can either make ourselves ill or we can make ourselves well from the most bizarre things. You know, one of the things that we tell people about is strangest things is uh, placebo surgery. And it was an American uh, orthopedic, orthopedic surgeon who uh, was famous for his doing performing knee operations where people had got uh, arthritic knees. And uh, they did an experiment and uh, divided this group of, uh, I think they're all men, um, although they didn't know it, one group was going to have the normal knee surgery, which was to make the incisions in the knee, flush out the debris and stitch the knee up. The other group, he just made the incisions, didn't do anything and stitched the knee back up again. And he had almost exactly the same results from both groups of people. So much so that he said he's uh, going to stop doing those knee operations because they're obviously a complete waste of time. Um, it, 
because uh, once people believed what they needed to believe, it had practically the same results. And of course, we've seen that with uh, drugs as well, where people have been given in drug trials, um, one group given the chemotherapy drug, the other group given a placebo. And, and yet the people in the group that have just been given the placebo um, have even started to lose their hair because they thought they'd been given the chemotherapy drug. So the mind mind consciousness is a fantastic thing. And we see examples of it all the time. I mean, you mentioned uh, remote viewing and telepathy, as we've talked about. All of these things show the power of consciousness. So when people take all of these things into account, it's not such a great leap to realize that they can change their actual day-to-day -day experiences they can they they mm -hmm. do create their own reality they're just not aware of it for the most part uh, so this again mm -hmm. gives great power back to people Sorry and isn't to... it curious how the term placebo yeah. is used to discredit uh, the possible effect of natural remedies that people to get results when in fact it would actually <laughs> prove everything you're talking about yeah yeah yeah, I've, yes, I've always well, said the placebo and the nocebo were the main drivers of the coronation debacle the last three years. Really was. It's it was the great. It was what did it all. Um, yes, I and mean, I, I, I also think the effect. Ahead. I'm just saying, you know, the um, somehow there's a there's a perception of the placebo effect as being, you know, just sort of fairly minor, but I, it, there's much more to it. It's it's almost it's not just about, you know, whether you react to an inert drug or not. It's or you, you know, you you generate symptoms or your symptoms get better because of this, you know, inert substance. It there's so much more. And that that's, you know, that's where we are really, that it's it's a much bigger um than just this kind of you know this pill thing sorry you, you were going to say bear can i just oh, say something too gonna... oh go ahead bear well i was just going to say it's uh absolutely more than a silver lining as far as i can see uh the events of the last couple of years because things had to get really stupid in order to expose you know everything including the people involved and um you know things that i was involved with years and years ago in medicine and we all you know had to work uh underground and and watch what we say and everything now it's just a common narrative so uh my heart is uh, leaping when uh, whenever i just see all of this information out now that's been outed so i really believe we live in the best of times and and again, the uh, the news cycles will try to do their best to keep us focused on. Oh no, this is a bad thing, and bad things are still happening. But you know, we're on to it now. So, Michael, go ahead. Oh no, I was just I was going to reiterate that, and we have all the compassion, of course, for everyone who's obviously been through the ringer over the last three years. When I say you know it was the greatest blessing, um, that's because of what Bear just said. And so when we can rise above and see that and understand that we have the power, that's what that reiterated to us. And I will say this, David, to your point about evolution, obviously there's evolution in terms of, I, I personally see evolution in my life all the time and how I'm growing, but you know, you're seeing a lot of the mainstream science, scientism world, an understanding of idealism and consciousness, but they still, these academics still go to natural selection. I was listening last night. 
I was like, I'll give this a shot to Donald Hoffman. He's a, I don't know if you guys know him, he's a cognitive scientist at UCI, and he's talking about a lot of stuff we talk about um, uh, in, in terms of consciousness being fundamental, but he does it from a framework of natural selection. So what that does is it puts us back in the box of being a machine, of being a DNA computer robot, if you will, and that we have to be really aware of, guys, and on that point and what David was talking about, how um, it's the, the, the modern scientism cult is grounded in that concept. And we have to I think that's going to take that's going to be a major revolution as we get even past this notion of quantum, which, you know, I know the Nobel Prize just went out to the quantum, the three physicists who were talking about, um, uh, you know, the great spooky phenomenon that Einstein mentioned back in the day about, um, uh, you know, particles. Uh, uh, what is it? The Bell's theorem or whatever uh, that they can entanglement be entanglement. Um, what do you call spooky action at a distance? Spooky action <laughs> at a distance. And this is great. This is great. This is coming out in the mainstream, but they still have that sneaky fundamental basis of materialism and reductionism set as the base standard. So we just need to keep in mind that what we're doing here is we're bringing the true sciences out back to the world. And yeah, evolution. Sorry, go ahead. Real quick, evolution also has uh, come to connote a linear progression. Consciousness expands not in a straight line or in a single direction. And if you get into the waveform mechanics of that, you understand how how it does spread out in all directions. And um, yeah. so again, you know, it's just a whole different mindset. Uh, please, Don, go ahead. Well, I was. I just wanted. To just clarify what I'd said about evolution, I'm not denying evolution of consciousness. What I'm saying is not proven is evolution where it's talking how one species evolves into another. There's variations within a species, but there is no evidence for how one species evolves into another, you know, uh, you know, a frog into a monkey or an elephant into a giraffe or something there is no <laughs> there is no evidence for one species evolving into another that's really what i wanted to make clear and okay. it also connotes a progression along a materialistic line with no yeah. concept of anything else yeah so really with all of the things that we're saying here is about that we each create our own personal reality um and that's why it's important to, and, and as many people have started to recommend, don't listen to the news, you know, because the mainstream media is just a doom and gloom merchant, isn't it? Well, that's feeding people's belief system. So if the news are saying it or the government's saying it or the medical system is saying it, then that's feeding your belief system and then it's creating your reality. And what we want to do is create our own reality. Um and of course, that does highlight uh, what Dawn was alluding to a little earlier, I think. And that's about protesting against anything, because you're <laughs> what are you doing? You're giving power, thinking there is something to protest against. OK. And of course, then you give energy because you're putting your beliefs into whether it's the police you're protesting against or the government or whatever. So we have to be careful. We have to be careful where we're going to put our creative energy. It's a real power. And it's it really is encapsulated in the old saying of don't hate war, love peace. I think that was a set. Yeah. Okay. 
I, and that, I think Mother yeah. Teresa first brought that to the forefront when she was asked to participate in an anti-war march or some such thing. And she said, well, I'll, I'll, I'll do a peace demonstration, but not one against war. Yeah, and that's exactly it. And so these are, they may seem simple, these concepts, but there's real knowledge and power and information in them. Um, and, you know, some people may not like the fact of what we just said about uh, protesting, you know, because people have got together in many protests, you know. And now it's great for people to get together as a group and support one another, but be careful where you turn that energy. Supporting one another so that you know people are there of a calmer mind, but don't use that energy to throw it against the police force or, you know, even though they, you know, we may have or we may see, depending on your personal reality, you may see all sorts of things that you don't like. But think about where it's coming from. This is the thing. Think about where it's coming from. And I'm, we're not trying to tell people, oh, you just sit at home and do nothing. Of course not. This realm that we've created is a realm of action. That's why we're here. But look where what action you're doing. Look where you put your energy. And that's all we're saying, really. Um, and don't waste it just ranting and raving and protesting against things you don't like. Quite rightly, there are lots of things that are wrong. But what this time that we're in now is to find a different way to change the reality. Because if we look back in what we think of as history, there's been many revolutions, hasn't there? where people have risen up, whether it's the French Revolution or any other, where people have risen up against tyranny. And it's always ended up in a bloodbath, hasn't it? You know, because the authorities have invariably got more armaments <laughs> than the people, and they have no compunction about just slaughtering them. And we've seen this many times. So we know that doesn't work. And it's hard to say any of the end effects of them actually created anything better. I mean, the, the big one, of course, is the American Revolution. But when you have a deeper understanding of what the Constitution actually is and how UK, uh, you you Brits over there never really relinquished your control over us Yankees. Uh, yes, we are still colonists over here, which is unbeknownst to many of us uh, Yanks yeah. on this side. <laughs> yeah, well, Sorry, I, I don't take responsibility I was, for that I was, one. I, I, was, I, I didn't do that. I wasn't we, part of it. But you know, I you, you know I'm. Didn't with you I guys. see a red coat uh, there somewhere in the room? Or... <laughs> <laughs> you might see a Confederate flag, but uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but but you're absolutely right. I mean, if the truth be known, um, maybe the whole world is controlled from the centre of London, what they call the square mile, the financial. The, there's a lot of power, everything. And you're quite right. Uh, America is still controlled from those people in there it's uh but they're, they're a law unto themselves they really are well we need to be careful I believe what we're saying about who's in control here yeah. mm -hmm. so what mm -hmm. what we're looking yeah, for exactly. is not is not going and blowing them up or blowing out the houses of parliament we're looking for the changing consciousness to know what's happening uh, I, I sometimes like to liken it to light and dark okay where darkness is not a thing in itself is it it's just an absence of light and we we are the light we all of us are the light we are light beings so when we shine our light into darkness it disappears and so the darkness that appears to be happening around us at the moment um our light will dispel it 
because the darkness is not a thing in itself. It's like hot and cold. You know, cold is not a thing in itself. It's just an absence of heat. So we're providing the light and the, the darkness will disappear. We don't have to attack anyone. We, it's a changing consciousness. And that's really what humanity has got to learn at this stage of development, this real stage of evolution, this evolution in consciousness, is that it's a different way to change what we want is through changing consciousness, not through violence or any other method. Uh, so it's a, it's a peaceful, it's a loving thing, because love is the great creative force, isn't it? We know that. And we can put it into action. And so that uh, the Fauci's and the Bill Gates and all of the others just disappear. They dissolve after the way, you know, so that uh, we, we progress. So that's really what we're looking at. Um, Couldn't agree more. They have and that's... no power. Sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say that's, you know, remember the whole resist psyop of 2018? They knew what yeah. they were doing, galvanizing yeah. everybody into the resist mentality, thinking that they were, you know, quote unquote, starting a revolution or really what they were doing is just playing right into that mindset once again. Um, go ahead, Bear. And I end the. No, I was just going to say that the only power that anybody has is what we give them. And I believe also, if you go into the nucleus of these folks behind the city of London uh, or, or any of these supposed, uh, you know, the, the military arm Washington, D.C., uh, you know, the Vatican, the spiritual arm, um, you know, they have so far gone down one road exclusively that they've lost their tether with that creative ability. So they need us to create. So the more that we're in there arguing, protesting or visualizing at all what we think is reality based on what we are told, then, of course, we're creating their vision. You know, I was recently watching a video of... Um, some people lamenting in front of a school board about what their kids were being exposed to in school. And, you know, my heart goes out to these folks because I know a lot of folks are just regular working people and need to go to their jobs and they think they need the schools to babysit their kids. But my first question to any of these parents that are outraged about what's going on, is like, well, why would you even consider to have your child in a school in the first place? You know, I liken it to child abuse. Uh, but again, going back to the silver lining here in California, where you still have mandates about what is expected of you if you want to, you know, have your kid attend a public school, uh, more and more people in the state are pulling their kids out of school in record numbers and uh, homeschooling. People like uh, Dr. Edith Chan are doing an amazing uh, job creating the Illumin Child program that a lot of us are participating in. So. Uh, yeah, things are changing. And uh, of course, if people like us set an example and show that it is possible to do something, uh, you know, a little bit differently, then the folks that still think they have a dependency on any of the institutions are going to follow secondarily when they say, oh, well, maybe it's possible for me too. So that's what's happening right now. Mm. Yeah. And as Mike was saying about um, e evolution, I mean, there's sort of as we are adapting and, and evolving, but it's not necessarily a step by step. I mean, we can take leaps ahead. You know, we can take leaps rather than tiny steps. And um, it, it's all about whether we feel, um, you know, 
it can be done you know it's like it is possible um yes I, I, and again language that was something I was going to say you have to be careful of your language and I saw something recently of um the word impo impossible is just another way of putting I'm possible and I, th I thought that was it so again it's it's how you think and the words you use and and it's where you put your energy and it really is um it, it's it but it's it's not about getting kind of obsessed or you know I've said the wrong word or whatever but it's it's just to be aware and and to keep moving forward and knowing that you're moving um and sort of and expanding and you're moving towards where you want to go as it were rather than yeah avoiding what you don't want because again the, if you start putting the kind of you know you're fighting or you're avoiding you're still putting energy into this whatever it is and it'll and it, it'll still be there but even if you have that experience it's to not as I said it's, it's to know that there's something to learn from it and and not to kind of be disappointed and think oh well that's not what I wanted we will learn from it and move through it yeah your your everyday experiences are is if people think of it as a feedback system you're talking to yourself if you like you're showing yourself where your beliefs and fears are and so if we listen to ourselves we can then modify it it literally is a feedback system uh so not to uh not to ignore that and one of, but one of the things i just wanted to mention because we we talked about the doom and gloom of the mainstream media but of course We've got problems with the so-called alternative media, haven't we? With uh, the doom and gloom, <laughs> you know. I mean, the it's main a different salt. <laughs> is, yeah. Well, yeah, it it is, but of course, there. I'm sure I'm not surprising anyone when I say that uh, there are large sections of the so-called alternative media that have been infiltrated, shall we say, by uh, what I call half truthers and uh, doom and gloom merchants. And of course, people can just switch from one set of doom and gloom merchants to another set of doom and gloom merchants, which are then still feeding their negative thoughts, negative beliefs and uh, hope, fears of hopelessness. Uh, so you have to watch out for that, too. You know, don't let that form your beliefs. Don't let that form your reality. OK, well, um, as uh, Max Planck see... says, uh, David, I just put in the chat, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Exactly, exactly. And uh, as I say, these when you get down to grassroots, these are simple concepts. And again, coming back to really where we started this conversation, you know, <clears throat> that life is not meant to be difficult. It doesn't need to be difficult. It doesn't need to be complicated. You know, the, the things that we've talked about of taking control of your life by examining your beliefs and if you've got limiting beliefs then change them you know look at them find out sometimes it's useful to make a list of what you believe and then see how much of that list are just beliefs or whether they're actually facts and i'll guarantee that most people are running their lives based on a set of beliefs that are not necessarily true and so you can change them and you can then change your life. And, it, you know, it's not pie in the sky stuff, this. You know, once you get really on board with the fact that you, we each create our own personal reality, um, then you can start to make changes and you can see them change. You'll see your life change. And it's like flexing your muscles, you know, um, 
first time you go down the gym, you might not be able to pick very much up in weight. But if you practice, if you keep using those muscles, you'll get stronger and be able to do more weights. Well, it's the same with your consciousness muscle, if you like, for people to practice, maybe with little things to start with. And when they get some success, it will give them confidence and then they'll be able to do even more. And so they'll be able to have the life they want, which they want, rather than a life that they think is being inflicted upon them, you know, so they can get out of the victim mode, because most people feel, because they don't understand how reality works, so they feel that they're sort of victims of circumstance. And and, I, and that is easy, easy to fall into that trap. But when everyone knows that they are immensely powerful, they are timeless, immortal, you know, and they are not the body. That's just a vehicle they're using. Uh, and to really step into their power and just knowing that can start to make those changes, just knowing they are divine and uh, are beings of light. And that can just knowing these things can make such a difference. And people can then start to feel their power and start to change their lives in the way they want. So that, that's really our message to people. It is simple in the same way as we said about health. It is simple. The rules are simple. But if, like I did many years ago, went down all of these other routes, not least of which was uh, the teachings of the Theosophical Society with Alice Bailey and H.P. Blavatsky. Um, I mean, it's an immense body of work that Alice Bailey produced, which again was supposedly from a, a channel source. But when you look into it, it's, it's a little bit darker, you know. Alice Bailey was heavily influenced by her husband, um, who was also a, a major mason. And when you look into it, you start to get suspicious when you see that within those teachings of the Theosophical Society, um, they tell you that there are a number of ascended masters, one of which looks after, looks after specifically Freemasonry, and another who looks after specifically the Vatican. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear things like that, I become immensely suspicious as to uh, really, really would there be ascended masters with a special duty to look after Freemasonry or the Vatican, knowing what we know yeah. about Freemasonry in the Vatican. So, um, and But more than that, I found the entire works, which is immense, of the Theosophical Society, one, it's extremely tedious and difficult to understand and get through. And at the end of it, as I found, it's not really of any practical value. You can't really do anything with it, uh, which is <laughs> can be a great waste of people's time. So why we wrote the book, The Nature of Reality, is to really find out how reality works so, and put it forward in practical ways that people can immediately, immediately start using it and changing their lives for the better. So that's really what it's all about. Life is not meant to be hard. It's not meant to be difficult. Uh, so we can we can take control. Um, and that's really what this period in human evolution, <laughs> using that word, is all about. It's a big it's a big uh, gateway that we're at. And uh, this whole thing that started in 2020 and swept around the world is is a big eye-opener it's a big awakening so that people can see the nonsense of it all and then start to ask questions about everything else which they've taken for granted that they've been fed by the mainstream 
or any other place and uh, take back control. So that's really that's really the message that we try to give. Yeah, some of those early theosophical works of which uh, I was a great student of, you know, they had truths. And of course, just like the news these days, they have to have some truth, yes. you know, in order to build a narrative uh, that is going to create a core that we believe in. So I did get some value out of it. But what became apparent to me uh, pretty quickly was that there was many built-in blocks and contradictions yeah. rather than just saying things out front. Of course, Steiner came along with anthroposophy and, and, and said, hey, I think this is uh, ready to just uh, be put forth to the people, you know, in a way that can be understood by all. And there's that great conflict that, you know, you folks know about. And then that brought us into another whole area where, you know, the true Ascended Master teachings came out, uh, you know, just free of all the, uh, the let's just say the the decoys and things. So, um, yeah, and it, it, there's a great uh, tendency, I think, for everybody to throw the baby out with the bathwater these days because a lot of truths have come through all these different channels. And now, of course, we should be, it should be incumbent upon us to be mature enough to uh, discern what's real, what's not, what we can verify in our own experience, and that things don't have to be convoluted or incongruent. And of course, when you get into evolutionism and all the different teachings that emanated from the Royal Society, they're incongruous. And a lot of what I had to endure, uh, you know, through my medical training in school was uh, these contradictions. You know, you just, uh, the laws of physics, um, you know, one thing, uh, you know, one law says this, the other contradicts that, then they have another narrative to explain why it's different in this situation and so forth. So we're we're getting to that point of utter simplicity, and like uh, the great Walter Russell said, uh, you know, the if 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 something isn't so easy or simple to understand that a child can understand it, then it's probably not true. And Correct, yeah. uh, when we redesign our curriculums, like some of us did with our own kids that decided to keep them out of school, we taught them real basic concepts of physics, if you will. Uh, things like uh, that would explain exactly everything that you're talking about. So now as adults, they don't have these filters where they're trying to make sense out of things and all these contradictions. So that's the next wave, uh, you know, this next generation of kids that are going to be spared from that indoctrination system and where we're going to just move on where these discussions aren't even necessary because they're just obvious on their face. They're intuitive. Yeah. Yeah. This is it. We, we all have this thing called intuition, which is just expanded awareness, as demonstrated by those expensive uh, washes that we showed. Um, and so we can keep expanding that. And, you know, we are all we are all that is. That is what we are. We think of ourselves as separate because we speak of ourselves that way. Our language, you know, we speak of you, me, I, them. We, we don't have the words to be inclusive. And that's, again, a deliberate thing. You know, we, we only have three-dimensional concepts. We can't think of things in any other way. And that's, that's our limitations. But we can think outside of that, you know, by realizing what we are. Um, so yeah, it's to uh, free ourselves, truly free ourselves, and to become the creators that we actually are. And, uh, but to do it consciously, 
rather than unconsciously, which is what most people are doing. They're creating their personal reality without realizing it and uh, allow themselves to be imprisoned by thoughts and beliefs which are deliberately given to them by other systems. And uh, so we, that's the thing we have to stop. Okay. I don't know whether I've got a, <laughs> I always like to collect these things. I've got another little thing, which, because I, I think it's important to encourage people and to give people hope and to, in realizing what they are and realizing the importance of this time, this time in our evolution. And I think this little thing, which is quite short, but I'll read it anyway. Um, it says, do you really think and believe that millions of evolved souls would say yes to come to Earth just to die in a totalitarian new world order? Absolutely not. We came to flip this world upside down, back to its original state and more. We came here for the new Earth, for world peace, for the immortal golden age, for a new Eden. We came here for nothing less than to send a wave of light and love across the universe, signaling the birth of a new order of divine justice, peace, compassion, and love. And I think that's a very, again, I find that very inspiring. And I think it gives uh, people hope to know that this is very important time and that they are very important. We all have a, a part to play in this very important stage. And so let's all make the most of it. And uh, in the same way that uh, what you're doing, Bear and Mike, and what we're doing, we're playing important parts in this and in getting information out to people. But everyone has a role to play. And yes, OK, not everyone may come along on this particular journey. And, uh, you know, as the uh, sage Rumi said, you know, let them sleep, you know, if they just let them sleep and uh, they'll have their time. It may not be now. So, you know, don't knock yourself out if you can't get your mother-in-law or, or your brother or ever to, to listen to you. It's not their time. So just let them sleep and we'll carry on and do what we have to do because we'll take the majority with us. Uh, and uh, that's what we're here for. Okay. Well, I don't know, but wonderful. I've been rattling on for, <laughs> for about an hour and a no, half. So. Um, just, uh, just all, all brilliant, a wonderful discussion. And, you know, just one last comment, this word time keeps coming up. And, um, you know, when I was a kid back in, catholic catechism class i remember us talking about the end of time and our armageddon and and now we're understanding the physics of time which we could get into and you know we're, we've we've thrown out some concepts that you know maybe uh you know time doesn't go just in one direction maybe everything is uh, you know present in the moment where well, we actually have the physics to substantiate how that is so now, as I remember back, I realized what they're telling us is the end of the concept of time is exactly mm -hmm. what we're experiencing now. And with the, without the concept of time, if we're ready to wrap our minds around that and just really feel that with every fiber of our being, uh, then we're no longer bound by it. And we will be in that mythical present moment time where, as again, Walter Russell, uh, you know, uh, coined the term the fulcrum we become the fulcrum we're no longer 
you know, the pendulum, the polarities, uh, you know, watching the bobble go back and forth and mesmerized by our own creations, but we're actually remembering in present time that we're creating it every single moment. So uh, yeah. best time to be alive. Absolutely. You know, the, yeah. the veils are yeah. lifted. So uh, you guys, how can we, and, and um, I just wanted to mention too, my apologies that I missequenced your books there at the beginning, uh, uh, but tell us, uh, tell us how uh, our audience can find all of your wonderful work and any other uh, things that you'd like to uh, share with us, you know, that we okay. haven't already talked about. Okay. I mean, well, the, the little book, The Nature of Reality, um, we have a website for it, which is called thenatureofreality.com. <laughs> so it's nice, nice and easy to remember. Um, they can find out more about us and more about the, our stuff there. The book is a small book, but it's deceptively um simple but the concepts in it are not and it's one of those things where you need to read it a few times because new insights will come as you go through it we've deliberately made it simple that's not saying we've dumbed it down i mean if in a way there's as i've said with mine and dawn's dawn's in the last 20 years i've put about 60 years into it so there's a lot <laughs> it took a lot to make it a little book rather than a great tome because I've read those for years and years and years. And uh, there we go. So, yeah, the nature of reality.com. Obviously, our other main one is uh, what really makes you ill.com. So, those are our two sort of uh, main books, really. Uh, uh, we are in the process of uh, building another website, um, which is in the making, where we were, our intention is to discuss more topics. Um, things that people find of interest, which might be about evolution, might be about the banking system, the legal system, the uh, systems of government, which are, as we know, are completely invalid, illegal, in fact, same as the legal system is actually illegal. So we can talk about the sovereignty, true sovereignty of people. We can talk about the real power of juries. You know, once people realize just how powerful a jury is, never mind about the judge, he doesn't have the power. The jury has the power and you don't have jury to do anything illegal. Yes, exactly. Yes. Laws can be changed. But uh, anyway, that's another subject. But these are all the sorts of things that uh, we'll be talking about on our new website and uh, doing interviews and uh, producing videos and uh, documents and uh, articles. So that's that's a new venture for us where, because as you might gather, over the many years we've been around, um, we've delved into all sorts of things. And uh, so we, we're we going to find a website where we can talk about those things and uh, help people and interest people, really. Uh, and uh, so that that's, that's to come. We're working on it as we speak. <laughs> um, so that's it. That's it, really. And I uh, hope people have enjoyed what we've been talking about tonight. And, uh, well, night for us. Um and uh, I found it interesting and uh, maybe maybe it's just uh, sparked some interests in ways that maybe they'd not thought about before and a different way to see themselves and the reality which they are the owners of. They are the creators of it. So uh, real power there. Okay. Well, your contributions are immeasurable. And I think uh, more in hindsight, we'll realize how important uh, the, the works that you have produced uh, really are. And just, you know, part of this pivotal, 
point in history right now. So thank you thank so you. much. Uh, always, always delightful to talk to both of you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. It's our, our pleasure too. We, you know, we we do watch your work, you know, as much as we can, and uh, it's great stuff, you know. So you're a great service no, to humanity. <laughs> okay. So thank you. You guys are awesome. You guys are all awesome. So the nature of reality.com, go check it out as Robin Williams once quipped in the seventies reality. What a trip uh, or something like that. <laughs> uh, uh, guys, thanks so much. Um, and if you guys are new to alpha cast, you can check us out at alphavedic.com uh, telegram t.me forward slash alpha Vedic uh, and Patreon at patreon.com forward slash alpha Vedic. We'll see you next week. Remember to get outside, get your feet in the dirt, go for a walk, go for a hike, uh, go uh, go plant your starts already, will ya? I need to get on that, Bear. Uh, well, I thought we were on it already. We had a fall spring, and now we're under snow. So, uh, <laughs> I guess, so that's I guess we have to wait a little bit. So uh, one more question for you guys. Um, did I hear a rumor that you're coming out to Music and Sky and that you might even uh, I'm, venture I'm northward? or? We're, uh, I'm planning to, yeah. We've, we've had invitations to come over to the States, but because of the nonsense uh, that's been going off, uh, Brits to come over, which we refuse to take part in. Uh, so we've had to postpone it. But I, I believe that's all going to change. And uh, mm -hmm. your esteemed leader, Mr. Biden, is uh, already has plans to uh, release these uh, measures so that uh, we can come over without having to do all of these dodges. To, to get into the country so uh, we will we will be coming sooner or later oh, and I how think nice it'll be of sooner that rather than later. Of the our, our clone president you mean <laughs> well i was i was trying to be kind but uh, i think we can all find <laughs> all sorts of words to describe him and the government but uh, they're probably not for public ears well we'd love to have you guys well, i hope if you yeah, I was just going to say, I hope if you do make it to uh, out here to the colonies that you come visit us because you'll all be almost here and be ashamed not to see if you come all that way. And yeah, uh, you have a wonderful place waiting for you to retreat as long as you'd like. That's really well, that's, kind. That's, that's fine. I'm I'm certainly keen to get my hands in the dirt. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, well we, we'll put you to work. Don't worry. Thank yeah. you. Good. <laughs> Good. Yeah, we'd, we'd love to come and see you, and uh, we shall make every effort as soon as we can to get over there and uh, turn up on your doorstep. <laughs> awesome. We'll have some tea waiting for you. Well, Thanks. we really look forward to that, guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening and supporting. Please give us a thumbs up, share with your friends and family. That really helps us out, and we'll see you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel, 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time uh, on Thursdays, and we're on Rumble now, too, so check us out on Rumble. Love you all. We'll see you next week.